Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ramkumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day everyone. Our guest today is Sara O'Keefe, founder and chief executive officer, Scriptorium Publishing. Welcome Sara to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. Um, it's great to be here. I'm doing well. Fantastic. So Sara, I'm very eager to learn a lot from you in the next 30 minutes or so. So please uh, introduce a little bit more about what is Scriptorium Publishing and a bit more about yourself and uh, how did you get into this uh, weird and wonderful world of documentation? <laughs> well, thank you again. Um Scriptorium Publishing has been around for 23 years and I've always been interested in this question of content and technology and publishing and how you put those three things together. So I started the company to look at how do we deliver technical content more efficiently? How can we take advantage of the tools and technologies that are out there? to uh publish to get our content out there to get it translated localized and all the rest of it. Uh I came into that uh I started out actually at the beginning of my career doing some marketing work. I worked as a marketing assistant. I then slid over into more of a production editor role, which was a very technical uh make sure that the files are in good shape before they go to the printer. um because in the olden days we did actually you know print things <laughs> um and then from there i ended up in technical editing and definitely in sort of software documentation and then slid from there into consulting and self employment after some uh interesting corporate upheaval we'll say fantastic <laughs> so uh what would you say is a best in class documentation process and who would be normally involved in such processes we always start with the question of what provides maximum value for the organization and and that's different for different companies depending on what they're trying to do so if you look at a a company that's regulated and has compliance issues or safety issues because of the types of products that they create they need a maybe a different process from a a game company that produces uh, a wiki or some documentation that goes with a video game of some sort which you know typically would not result in people getting injured unless it's uh, playing video games for too many hours course um so i think the the question of best in class really depends on who is the organization what are their goals and how do we develop for them a content life cycle that makes sense for their authors their reviewers their content consumers and supports their business goals their business priorities 
Um, you know, again, compliance is one of those, if they have it, that's always the top priority. But many other organizations are looking for velocity. They want to be able to produce their content faster, or they really want their documentation to support their brand identity. Um, if you want to have a reputation as a, a fun company that kind of has a very personal tone, you need documentation that looks and feels different from a, you know, a very serious and more uh, sort of stodgy company. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, so what do you see as the business value of technical content? Well, technical content is the thing that enables people to use a product. So technical content is an enabling uh, support or an enabling product, right? The purpose of reading a technical document is to figure out how to do the thing I'm trying to do. So the business value of that is that good documentation means that people will use your product successfully, which means they will be happy with your product and they will say nice things about your product and they will get their job done and they will not get injured, right? I mean, that's a, that's a huge one. <laughs> and, uh, but overall, the business value depends, again, on what the, you know, what the organization's priorities are and what they're trying to support with their content. And the, the, the documentation needs to support that. But at the end of the day, technical content uh, is me trying to support you in you doing your job or you doing a task or you using a product successfully. Um, one of the huge value points there is that when you look at consumer products, some enormous percent, percentage of product returns, something like 20% of product returns are not defective products, but in fact, I can't figure out how to use this product. I can't make it do the thing I need it to do. The product totally does the feature. It has the feature, but people couldn't figure out how to use it. And the documentation, they didn't find the answers in the documentation. And so they returned the product. So there's a something like 20% opportunity to reduce product returns if you provide the right content to people. Uh-huh. So uh, how would you recommend that marketing and tech communication work together? Well, at, at a very bare minimum, <laughs> they should not contradict each other. And they should use the same words to mean the same things. Um, I have seen so many organizations where the terminology is not actually consistent. So marketing will say one thing and tech com will say a different thing. And they're talking about the same product feature, but they're not in alignment. They don't, they actually contradict each other. So, so that's a huge problem. And that should be addressed with, you know, sort of terminology alignment and just having a style guide and maybe occasionally talking to each other. But beyond that, beyond the sort of basic, let's get some just very, very uh, simple alignment, um, I think you have to look at the type of organization. So who are they and what are they trying to accomplish? Um, we used to very much say that marketing was pre-sales and tech com was post-sales, but the research now shows that that's not really true. People something like 80% of people, and there's, again, there's research for this, 
80% of people, when they are looking to buy consumer electronics, are actually doing research in the technical content. So they're looking at what are the specifications for this product or how do I install it or how do I operate it? Because they want to look at that before they buy. So the quality of the documentation and the they look at it and that factors into their buying decision. And similarly, once they buy, marketing doesn't become irrelevant. People buy a product, but then you have opportunities to say, oh, there's a new product or there's an upgrade or there's a sister product or have you considered buying these add-ons? So the, the buyer's journey, the customer journey is not a straight line from marketing, you know, marketing, then they buy, then they use techcom and then I don't know, you start over with a new customer. It's much more of a circle and there's kind of a cycle there. And so we have to make sure that both marketing and techcom are aligned to support the customers throughout the life cycle and not just focused on, you know, I'm for sales and I'm for post sales, because it turns out that's not how people actually use content. Okay, cool. So um, what kind of reduction in workload have you seen since introducing content strategy for clients? The, the main thing you see is that you try to eliminate the busy work. Um, we really look for opportunities to get rid of tedious, repetitive, copy and paste kinds of tasks so that the writers can focus on high value contributions, you know, writing good content, making connections across the documents and those kinds of things. So when we, when we look at content strategy and we say, okay, um, this is the kind of content that you should be developing in your organization, and this is how you should be delivering it to your customers. We're looking for opportunities to automate, to get rid of those, oh, it takes me you know, three hours to do a build because I have to configure things and it's terrible and awful and that kind of stuff, and automate those things away, let the computers do that work. While we focus on writing better content, um, thinking more carefully about how to organize our content, how to cross-connect it, how to link it, how to, um, if we eliminate copy and paste, how to, re how to reuse information efficiently and put it in the right places. So I feel like we, we reduce the workload that is the time-consuming, uninteresting stuff but we may actually increase the workload on the other side where we have to really be thinking much more carefully about what is this content and how are we delivering it and how can we best support our customers as they use it. Great. Uh, so I think uh, uh, you are giving a different uh, perspective to, to, to how you engage with, uh, with the clients, uh, Sarah. So let's, let's go on to the rapid fire round. So who have you learned the most uh, uh, about documentation from in your career? I've learned, you know, we do lots of projects. So a given project might last a couple of months or a couple of years. And, it's hard to say, it's hard to identify a single person because what I've found is that I've learned from my coworkers and from our clients, every single project that we do, every single thing that we do, I've learned something new. Now, some of those lessons are very negative, like don't ever do that or never behave like that person. Um, not my coworkers, mind you. 
Um, but you learn something, you take away something from every single project because we're always learning and we're always finding new things and we're always discovering new ways of doing things. So to me, it's a, I guess it's a network effect that we work with so many different people. And over time you learn things here and there, but you also start to see the patterns and you start to see those patterns that are useful and those patterns that are not so useful. And I think that's, what's been the most valuable is understanding, oh, so I've seen this before and at this client, these things happen. So let's do it a little bit differently and see if we can make it work better for you. Mm -hmm. Great. So can you share a documentation related to source you have consumed recently? Um, well, I'm, I have my copy of TC World magazine, which just came in, and I'm looking forward to reading that. I haven't gotten to it yet, mm -hmm. um, but I'm working on it. And beyond that, I'm, you know, I'm all over um, LinkedIn and Twitter, just looking for interesting articles and interesting content that's out there. Absolutely. So what is that one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Well, remember that I ended up starting a business uh, pretty early on. And so looking back at my 20-year-old self, it took me a really long time to figure out how to run a business. So I wish that 20-year-old me had taken a just a basic class on business finance and had understood some of those concepts early on instead of having to learn them the hard way as I, as I went through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Uh, but now I'm, I'm sure you will, you might, you will be more experienced now. So definitely we are looking forward to get more, um, more, more lessons learned from your own experience. Yeah. I just wish they weren't always so expensive. <laughs> I've learned a lot and it's always, always expensive to learn, but yeah, it, I think that it's it's important or not important, but when you're getting started on something like this, um, I'm not saying do things the way other people do them, but listen to what they say about what they've done and what they did and what they learned and what worked well and what didn't work well, and then apply that to your own situation instead of doing what 20-year-old me did, which was, oh, I'm the first person to do this in the history of ever, so I have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. uh, that was not the smartest move ever. Great. That's absolutely right, Sara. So thank you once again for sharing your unique experience uh, with us today. Uh, are there any other tips that you would like to share with our audience today? I would say that the, the most important thing for successful technical communication that I've seen, again, as a pattern over the years in working with so, so many different people is curiosity. Uh, an interest in learning and that sort of, oh, let me go play with this and see if I can get it to work or let me go push at this and see what happens. I mean, obviously proceed with caution if it's a machine that can hurt you. But generally that, that curiosity and that willingness to experiment and try new things, I think is the key to understanding the products that we're documenting and then providing you know, successful and useful information about how to use them. Thank you. So once again, appreciate uh, the uh, support you've shown towards us, Sarah. So have a great day. Well, thank you very much. It was, that was fun. Take care. You too, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Based Ninjas podcast. 
please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.